This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Mostly cloudy, then gradually becoming sunny today, high near 47. Partly cloudy tonight, low around 36. Saturday will be partly sunny with a high near 51. Sunday rain with thunderstorms possible, high near 54. On Wednesday, Broome County Sheriff Fred Akshar joined leaders from the local Jewish community, law enforcement, and representatives from the federal, state, and local government to publicly reaffirm the community's commitment to the safety and security of Jewish families and families of every faith as they celebrate the holiday season. The message of solidarity and support comes as the Hanukkah holiday began on Thursday as anti-Semitic rhetoric continues to be on the rise following the October 7 Hamas terrorist attack. Sheriff Fred Akshar acknowledged the current dark moment facing the country, expressing his unwavering belief in the inherent brightness of the community. From a law enforcement perspective, Akshar reassured the community that every possible measure is being taken to ensure the safety and well-being of Jewish families, enabling them to celebrate the holiday season just like any other family in Broome County. The planned sale of Binghamton-based Our Lady of Lords Memorial Hospital to Guthrie Clinic of Sayre, Pennsylvania is moving forward. Guthrie Clinic plans to borrow $140 million to acquire Lourdes and its affiliated facilities in Broome, Tioga, and Delaware counties. The proposed sale of Lourdes from St. Louis-based Ascension was announced last June. Authorities or Lourdes employees have been told the deal is expected to be finalized around February 1st. A public hearing on the issuance of tax-exempt revenue bonds to help finance the acquisition is scheduled for today. The hearing is to be held at 3 p.m. at the Central Bradford Progress Authority in Tawanda. As it prepares to buy Lord's Hospital, Guthrie Clinic is facing financial challenges. Its bond rating was downgraded in September by a major credit rating agency. According to Fitch Ratings, Guthrie's downgrade was due to higher operating losses than expected. Fitch said Guthrie Clinic was facing operational challenges that had been exacerbated by staffing shortages that limited its efforts towards an operational turnaround. In the rating agency's opinion, the Lord's acquisition could result in increased revenue through the eventual integration of clinical services. Former U.S. Representative Tom Suozzi has been elected to, selected to be the Democratic nominee in next year's special election to replace George Santos after he was expelled from the U.S. House. New York Democrats named him as their candidate on Thursday. He had been the front runner to represent Democrats in the February 13 election after previously holding the congressional seat for six years during his long career in Long Island politics. The district includes parts of Long Island and a northeastern section of the New York City borough of Queens. Republicans have not yet announced their candidate. Officials say a man fired a gun, a shotgun twice outside a Jewish temple in Albany, and then said free Palestine as he was taken into custody. Governor Kathy Hochul said no one was injured Thursday afternoon, hours before the start of Hanukkah. Police say the shots were fired outside of Temple Israel, and a 28-year-old man is in custody.
Hoko said he was a local resident. Police say the shooting is being investigated as a hate crime. The episode took place amid rising fears of anti-Semitism worldwide and fallout from Israel's intensifying war in Gaza, which faces heightened criticism because of the mounting Palestinian death toll. Former President Donald Trump has returned to his New York civil business fraud trial, renewing his complaints that it is an injustice. Trump showed up Thursday to watch an accounting professor discuss financial topics important to the case. The witness for Trump's defense, Professor Eli Bartov, said he had reviewed the financial statements at issue in the case and had found no evidence of accounting fraud. Trump himself is scheduled to take the stand Monday for a second time. New York Attorney General James' suit accuses Trump, his company, and some executives of misleading banks and insurers by giving them financial statements with inflated asset values. Trump denies any wrongdoing. Preliminary designs are being released for an outdoor memorial to the 11 victims of the 2018 Pittsburgh synagogue attack. The plans call for the memorial to be adjacent to the Tree of Life Synagogue. It's the scene of the deadliest anti-Semitic attack in U.S. history. Details remain yet to be determined, but the design includes a garden and 11 sculpted forms of open books, symbolizing the Book of Life and Jewish tradition. The design came after years of dialogue by family members of the victims. They consulted with representatives of other communities traumatized by mass casualty attacks and they heeded advice to go slowly and deliberately in planning the memorial. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. Joseph, this is Binghamton Now for Friday, December 8th, 2023. Good morning. Welcome to the program. We plan a nice program for you because you deserve it. Of course, thank you for your support throughout the year. And it has been quite a year as we uh, look back on 2023. We've been able to... um, Cover lots of topics, lots of stories. Of course, speak with many people in the studio and by phone. We have guests. And of course, where would we be without the callers, the contributors who make this program so special every day? So we encourage you to contribute. If you have never called before, today might be a good day. 
to try it, see what it's like to call WNBF's Binghamton now, or if you're a regular caller, by all means, chime in. You don't have to wait till the last minute. 607-772-1290. What stories, what stories are making WNBF news? Well, let's take a look at the WNBF website, WNBF.com, to see the most important stories as we wrap up the uh, first week of December. Let's see. Should we do that story? Or should we do this story? All right. I like this story. Guthrie, Guthrie Clinic is seeking to borrow $140 million to buy Lourdes Hospital in Binghamton. $140 million to buy Binghamton-based Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital. Guthrie Clinic based in Sayre going forward, and apparently this deal could be wrapped up in about two months. Today, a public hearing is scheduled of all places in Tawanda. So a public hearing on the issuance of tax-exempt revenue bonds to help finance the acquisition is scheduled for this afternoon. The hearing will be held by the Central Bradford Progress Authority. So if you are interested in the future of Lord's Hospital, maybe, maybe you'll go to the hearing being held by the Central Bradford Progress Authority, the CBPA. I called the Progress Authority Thursday afternoon and haven't heard back, but I guess that's progress. As our story notes, as it prepares to buy Lord's Hospital, Guthrie Clinic is facing financial challenges. Its bond rating was downgraded in September by a major credit rating agency, according to Fitch Ratings. Guthrie's downgrade was due to higher operating losses than expected. Fitch said Guthrie Clinic was facing operational challenges that had been exacerbated by staffing shortages that limited its efforts towards an operational turnaround. In the rating agency's opinion, the Lord's acquisition could result in increased revenue through the eventual integration of clinical services. So I guess that means it's about the money. We need more revenue, so we will expand. Lord's Hospital was founded in October 1925. So Lord's Hospital was founded on Riverside Drive 98 years ago in the former home of Merritt Corbett. Some people called it the Corbett Mansion. And then, to show their appreciation for the history of Binghamton's West Side, they tore it down in May 1954. I've seen some pictures of the old Corbett mansion. Too bad they had to tear it down, but isn't that always the case? Um, also, part of our Binghamton history, Lourdes was started by the Daughters of Charity. The hospital was acquired by Ascension Health more than two decades ago. Ascension Health, based in St. Louis, Missouri, home of Big Beer. Sisters with Daughters of Charity left the hospital. They left the building in May 2017. The end of an era. 
So anyway, that's that's the latest on hospitals in the news. Hospitals in the news. So Lourdes Hospital being acquired by Guthrie. And again, we don't know what the total cost is. Or if we know, let's put it this way, if we know, I don't know. I haven't heard what the purchase, what the total purchase price will be. This hearing today apparently just deals with one element of the financing package, borrowing $140 million. So that covers Lourdes, the hospital, on Riverside Drive, and of course, um, just few other facilities, physical facilities, and equipment. Did I mention equipment? At uh, Lourdes facilities in Broome, Tioga, and Delaware County. So, to you, let, let you enjoy a healthy life. 917 at WNBF. Let's take a call. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name and where are you calling from? Hi, Bob. It's your friend Beverly from town of Dickerson. Good morning, Beverly. Yeah, I uh, I was born at Lord's Hospital back in the '40s, you know, and and uh, it was a small it was a small building. I was born in the old part, and um, yeah, you know, Bob, they they still have shortages of nurses and aides and so forth, and doctors and and uh, you know other departments, Bob, but maybe this will be a help to, you know, I mean, some of those people are working 16 hours a day, Bob, five days a week, you know, because there's a shortage over there. I mean, a real shortage. You know, it's not, it's not like it used to be, Bob, you know. Well, a lot of people during the pandemic retired yeah, well, and some, that's, what, some, that's what hit everybody yeah, yeah so things never never really got back to normal post-pandemic so things are still kind of wobbly for healthcare institutions whether it's hospitals or nursing homes or even doctor's offices everybody still struggles to have adequate staffing yeah well that's true bob i mean that was a hard year for everybody, and a lot of people still still have precautions about that, you know. But Lord's Hospital is is doing the best they can, you know. I mean, well, it's, it's like of all I the said, of you know, all the hospitals in Broome County, it definitely is one of my favorites. You know, I mean, I, I mean, there aren't as many hospitals in Broome County, by the way. In the interest of transparency, I was born at that hospital. I remember. I remember the day. That's where it all began, Beverly. It uh, it was a it was a uh, rather uh, cool morning in an autumn, and at about five twenty seven, I made my debut. And the doctor, well, the first the thing, the, that I was the first thing the doctor did did to me, I'm told, is give me a slap. And it's no wonder, yeah. no wonder, no wonder my attitude was 
was not as good as it ought to be. You know, you, you're welcome to the world on Binghamton's west side, and the doctor welcomes you with some sort of slap. Come on, Mon. You know, they, you know, that, you know, the waiting room, the hospital area, uh, where the emergency room, that's not very big. It looks big, you know, but, you know, but they, they don't have many, um, uh, any, they don't have very many rooms down there. And, uh, everybody's, every talking, everyone is talking about how wonderful that at Wilson, at Wilson Memorial has has progressed, you know. But you know they, I don't know. I I know a fellow that that worked at a large hospital, and he worked there twenty five years, and he decided to go to uh to go to Wilson, and within a week within a week's time. She has to come back to Lord's Hospital. It was totally different. Well, there are differences with the two organizations, but that's to be expected. You're both, my estimation, both uh, Lord's and Wilson are doing the best they can. Well, and also Binghamton General. I mean, life is yeah, life no. is tough. I mean, whether whether it's nursing or as a physician or anybody else who's working. In a hospital environment, twenty four seven, it's it's tough. It's it's not it's not meant for people like me. I don't I don't have the uh, I don't think I have the energy or the patience to work in a hospital setting, at least not for very long. Well, Bob, well, I was in nursing for thirty years, and I I mean, when I first started out, it was seemed to be, you know. Uh, a comforting situation, you know, but then later on as time went and and they got into the in the year two thousand and stuff, you know, I mean, everything started to change, Bob. I mean, um when I worked at the Lurston home, the things that we had when I was when when I was hired, I was there probably ten years. And uh, and all of a sudden things changed, you know. They they took away they took away a lot of stuff. Now when we worked, uh, you know, if we worked a holiday, we got a double time and a half and stuff like that, you know. And then after a while, they took everything away from us. Well, then, you know, uh, times change hasn't. I don't know that uh, it's been easy for anybody. I mean, whether they're on the front lines working in the emergency department or an operating suite or anywhere else, any department of the hospital or support services, I don't think it was easy 100 years ago, and it's not any easier now. And also for administrators, it's not easy because they have all sorts of challenges. They have to try to control costs, but at the same time, be able to hire, you know hire enough, hire enough people. A, they used to have that financial program. They're not going to have it as of next February. Well, that's one of the changes. And I'm sure that I'm sure when the new owners take over, there'll be other changes too. I'm, I'm already hearing about some changes. That's it's inevitable. But the problem, the, the thing is, 
you know, in the in the long run, and that's all we can talk about right now. Um, well, not all we can talk about, but I say in the long run, they probably need something like this to ensure their survival. Because I'm not, I don't know, I'm I'm not privy to all the numbers, but I'm guessing Lourdes and UHS and even Guthrie, they've been facing some really tough times. As I mentioned about the... Um, about Guthrie Clinic, the the company that does uh, ratings uh, for the um, various entities, bond ratings for when they borrow, they downgraded Guthrie Clinic in September because they have had staffing shortages. And I think some other things they mentioned were uh, a debt that's that's high. I think I think probably virtually all hospitals are facing those types of challenges, um, trying to have enough people to work, trying to keep cost under control, trying to meet all of the state and federal regulations, and also trying to manage their debt. You know, it's, I think it's, yeah, well, it's, it's well, gotta be, it's gotta be really challenging. They change all the time, Bob. The regulations, they change, they change every day, you know, and I know that when I worked at a nursing home, they come through and say we'd have a meeting and on a Monday, say, and you know, three days later, hey, we're going back to the, you know, to the, you know, to the other, and so forth, you know. So I mean, and then uh, then the state cut some of the nursing homes back and so forth, you know, which which. Everyone wasn't too happy that worked in a medical field, but did you see what United Health Services is doing in Norwich? No. They're shutting down their nursing home. Their nursing home at Shenango Memorial Hospital will close at the end of next month. Oh, that's sad, Bob. Yeah, it says after more than fifty years of serving the needs of seniors around Shenango County, they're closing the long term care unit which is located on the second floor of the hospital as of January 31st. And so they're no longer accepting new residents, and now they're trying to find places at other long-term care facilities for the people who are in that nursing home. Right. You know, Bob, like I said before, my friend, if you have a lot of, if you have capital, you get the best care that they could offer. But when your money runs out, the situations have changed because, you know, the state says, well, we're only going to allow so much, so much money and that's it, you know? And it's so sad. It's so sad, Bob. I mean, when I, when I retired in 2009, the residents didn't want me to go, but I said, it's my time to go. And I said I enjoyed my position and so forth, you know, and I said I I gave a lot of good care. I gave a lot of good love to my residents and so forth, you know. So I contributed a lot in the, in the 30 years that I worked in nursing. So, Well, that's a lot of dedication, a lot of hard work. Appreciate your call. I hope you have a good weekend. Okay, you too. It's 928. This is Bob Joseph on the scene.
reporting for you. 607-772-1290 is the number for Binghamton Now on WNBF. WNBF and WNBF.com. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Always available on the free WNBF app. So you might think, wow, there's a new song. (laughs) Although most of our listeners know it's an old song and one of the better songs. And... Of note, that song was number one exactly 50 years ago today on the Big E Radio. Big E Radio, W-E-N-E and Endicott, which is the station that proudly gave me my start in the business. Well, actually, it's a long story, but um, one of the stations, to be honest, WNBF really gave me my start, but then... Back in the day, WNBF wasn't playing the hits, and I, as a young lad who liked the high fidelity of AM radio, I decided that's where the music's at. That's where the listeners, back in the day, that when when people listened to hit music, hit music radio, it was on AM. So that's how long ago that was. And then I'm looking at this... um, List the newspaper, the Evening Press, every Saturday for many years printed the list of the top songs. They called it Tier Toppers, the week's top records in the Southern Tier, according to the WENE Records Survey. And for the first week of December 1973, Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road by Elton John was number one. And by the way, just for kicks, Coming out of the next break, I will play the song that was number two 50 years ago. You won't believe it. <laughs> 1973 it was an interesting year. Musically. And otherwise. But some interesting music was coming out of transistor radios back in the day. Let's take a look at... The weather looks like today and tomorrow will be dice, very dice. Sunday, not so dice. Um, from the Weather Bureau, I mean the National Weather Service, high atop Mount Ettrick. Mostly cloudy to start today, gradually becoming sunny. High 47, partly cloudy tonight, low 36, partly sunny tomorrow, high 51. And then Sunday. Rain with thunderstorms, 
possible in the afternoon. High 54 and lots and lots and lots of rain. Sunday and Sunday night. Right now it's 38 in downtown Binghamton. That's 3 Celsius. And there is a possibility for heavy rain at times Sunday and Sunday evening. Along with gusty winds. So it's not going to be much fun Sunday and Monday. It's 9.35. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Warren Wood, Sydney, New York. Morning, Warren. Has anyone else noticed uh, your car premiums on your insurance? That New York State is the only state, because I called up Geico onto it, that's who I have car insurance through, that they're, they're charging a premium uh, supplementary insurance that, that in New York State's the only one that has it. So if, if you loan your car out to, to your your wife or a friend or anything like that and they have an accident and you can prove that they were negligent, that you can, you can sue them now. Okay. When, when I went to renew my insurance yesterday, uh, I've seen that. And I called up on to it, and they said, yeah, that, that, that's it's brand new insurance that, that takes effect January 1st in New York State. And that New York State was the only state that has that. All right. Well, I bet other states will adopt it. New York sometimes is the leader in the nation. Well, who's going to, who would actually sue their own wife? I can think of a guy down at Mar-a-Lago. Oh, he, he's doing great. Yeah, he's doing great, but you asked me who would actually sue his wife, so I gave you an answer. Yeah, he's doing great, but he is known to be a litigious person. So, I mean, will he sue? If, if, if Melanie is involved in a crash with one of his cars, will he sue her? I don't know, but might he? Yeah, he might because he is noted for being litigious. I mean, that's fine. It's legal. I mean, I wouldn't do it, but... Hey, everybody has a different viewpoint. Sometimes it's all about the money. I mean, he still loves her, but it's still about the money. It's more, more a legal action. It's not, it's not meaning that I don't love you anymore. It means I want the money. I would sue you so we could get reimbursed the money that we're entitled to under the insurance policy. That's what I would think. But you would think you think that's a good you think that's a good idea that New York State did that in your opinion. No, I'm just saying oh. that I'm saying New York State is probably yeah. not going to be the only one. No, I see that they did it. And I, I've heard grumbling from uh, some other people about it. You can take action. You can decline it. But if you don't decline it, it's automatically in place. That's that's how how it happens. So you if if you have car insurance, as we all do or most of us do. You uh, it. Yes, you better have it or they're going to haul your butt and, j you know, you're going to be a guest yeah. of Fred Akshar up at the Front Street Hilton. So yeah. make sure if you're driving, make sure you're proper, properly insured. But yes, the new state law in New York took effect August 1st, so it requires the insurers oh. to add a new line of coverage. And this, by the way, even if you're not married, it's for all drivers, even those who aren't married or are buying coverage yeah, for a yeah, business. Yeah. And policy yeah. owners can opt out of the coverage as long as they do so in writing. 
but you got to do it. So, you know, most people, I know some people who've already done it, but most people I know haven't done it, so they're paying too much money for their car insurance. And I blame that, you know who I blame? Flo. Who do you blame? Flo from the insurance commercial. She's the Flo who went to Binghamton University. I think it's her fault. She probably came up with the idea, even though she lives oh. in California. I thought it was just another way for new, the Democrats in New York State to collect money from somebody. How are the Demo- How are Democrats getting any money? The insurance companies are getting the money. Well, they get they get they you have to pay tax. They have to pay tax on that money. I don't know any Democrat that's getting any money from this. You, you, well, the state government. Well, yeah, the, the, the state the and, state and government is always getting money. That's and what that's the, run by the Democrats. The New York State is. Well, that's what the voters chose. Don't blame me. Oh, I know that. That's. Uh, uh, I don't like it at all myself. You know, what I mean that that uh, that the, the the voters that voted that way. And I, and by well, the way, I've noticed my insurance premium is going up too. Do you think I yeah. like it? No. You know, people call never, me never, and and they say. Bob, do you like the, that the price of gasoline is higher, the cost of food is higher, the cost of your newspaper is higher, the cost of your cable is higher? The only thing that hasn't gone up is the cost of this program. We continue to provide this program to you at no charge. And whenever I, I hear anybody say that, I say elections have consequences. Of course you they do. These, of course they do. But, but having said that, having said that, the last time New York had a Republican governor, George Elmer Pataki, he was in office for 12 years, and state taxes and the state budget went up significantly in 11 out of those 12 years. And that couldn't have happened without the Republicans aiding and abetting, because the Republicans not only had the governor in charge, but they also were in charge of the powerful state Senate. So never never suggest that it's only the Democrats in New York who are tax and spend. I submit to you, looking back over the last 100 years, it's all, or virtually all, of state leaders, regardless of party affiliation. But Bob, you understand that they don't care about the upstate. They worry about downstate. That's where their money cash is. And and they're all Democrats down there. And and you take all the votes upstate, you're not going to win over New York City and all the people in Long Island. You're not going to win down. They're going to win every time down there. And they could well, the re- Republicans could win if they came up with a good candidate. But when's the la- last time they had a good candidate for governor was George Pataki. And I think it's because he was six feet, six inches tall. I always looked up to him whenever I interviewed him. I always looked up to George Pataki because he was... He was uh, I think seven inches taller than I. I actually, you know, met him a couple of times in Peekskill when I used to take care of school buses down there. Well, one time, one time he, uh, and I, I think I've told this tale before. My aunt was, um, she was a big supporter for the local Republican machines. So she gave lots of money, and she also bought tickets for when uh, Senator Libus had his steak fest down at the steak fest, the um, yep. down at Grippen Park. In yep. one year, and this was was awkward because I'm a reporter, and I don't normally 
I mean, I might cover political functions, but I normally don't attend them. But I made an exception in this case because my aunt said, so I bought an extra ticket. Would you like to go to Tom's Steak Fest? And I said, well, okay. All right. I mean, it's going to be weird, but I, I, I don't pay a penny to support any political enterprise. Not because I don't think they deserve it, because I'm a reporter. I don't support um, financially or otherwise any political operation because I cover them. I want to, you know, try to be as independent as possible. Yes, as you know, you listen to the program, you know I'm opinionated, but I would be fooling somebody if I if I started to sound like um, a robot and said, I don't know. Well, I have no opinion. Democrat side all the time, though, usually. No, I t- what I take is the side that I think is most appropriate. Now, here, here we have a case today, and nobody even dares talk about it. It's the third rail of talk shows. They won't even talk about Hunter Biden being indicted. Now, I have opinions about that, but I'll be darned if I'm going to bring it up. If our listeners don't care... You know, I have opinions, but why would I express opinions about Hunter Biden being indicted? Because our listeners don't give a darn. So as far as as far as far as my opinions about government officials has nothing to do, nothing, not a darn thing to do with their party affiliation. It has everything to do with common sense and human decency. Well, I happen to listen to Fox News regularly. And I, they talk, they're talking about it, and I think it's about time. I think it's fantastic that that, that uh, they start doing that. And the next go- is going to be his father. Well, maybe, but they haven't done it yet. But I'll tell you what, if these Republicans are intent, and you know who they are, there's a handful of Republican troublemakers in Washington who say they who say they intend to impeach President Biden. And it's like, good luck with that, because most of your Republican colleagues who have a lick of common sense are not likely to support impeachment because they know it's going to hurt them in next year's election. So there are, again, there are a certain number of troublemakers, and they're in what are known as safe districts. They're the, the, the loud mouths you hear on, yep. on cable TV and talk radio, and they talk big. Ooh, look at me. I'm Mr. or Ms. Big Shot, and listen to I I, how I... Margaret Green right off the top of my head. Who? Margaret Green. <laughs> yeah, oh, from uh, Georgia. Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> She's... Uh, She's definitely a favorite here in at least in Endicott. She was she was a fan favorite. Anyway, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. As far as um, people being indicted, the Justice Department will do what it must do. And and hey, when it comes to Hunter Biden, good luck, good luck, sir. Because I heard that he's facing he's potentially seven, seven, 17, seventeen years, years in prison. And, and that's not seven years behind bars. Yes, in prison, not just behind bars. If it was behind bars, he'd say, good, because there's plenty of liquor there. No, in prison where there's not supposed to be liquor or drugs. What is the guy going to do? I mean, seriously, if he winds up being sentenced, and again, so far he's presumed innocent because he hasn't been convicted of anything. But if, if he doesn't acquire the services of highly skilled defense attorneys, the guy could be going away. 
Is this a time if you're a, if you're a powerful, effective defense attorney, now is the time. Call up Mr. Biden or call up his dad or someone and offer your services because he's going to need all the legal help he can get because he's in a he's sad to say based on the news reports this morning sounds to me he's in a very 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 serious legal position this is bob joseph serving you with a radio program originating from the parlor city 607-772-1290 i call it binghamton now and the station is wnbf from the back of the rack that was the number two song exactly 50 years ago at the Big E radio station at 909 East Main Street in Endicott home of the Grease Boy do you remember the Grease Boy? as <laughs> the Grease Boy and so that shows you how weird things were on the radio back this date in 1973, 50 years ago, as we played a few moments ago, Elton John with the Goodbye Yellow Brick Road tune. And then number two was Charlie Rich with the most beautiful girl in the world. So times were, as they say, times were different back then. Had an opportunity. You see, I love... I love my job. I think there's no better job actually in the world. I'm sure there is, but I think there's no better job in the world, at least right around here, than this job, hosting the program for three hours every day in the morning. And then before that and after that, going around the triple cities and just checking things out and walking around or driving around and asking questions and basically finding out what's up and uh, I was surprised yesterday a bit surprised to see two former mayors together it's the first time actually in a long time a long long time actually the, I think the last time I saw these two together was right here at the radio station in the studio when they were together with another mayor so I was walking as I often do here in downtown Binghamton. And uh, I spotted a couple of familiar faces, and it turned out to be Richard Bucci and Richard David over on Washington Street. What were the odds? 
So we actually posted a picture. I, I uh, asked them to pose for a photo, and there you go. It's on Twitter. Former Binghamton mayors, Bucci and David on Washington Streets. Another global exclusive here at News Radio WNBF. Sad, sad story in Albany. We're still getting some details coming in about a shooting outside Temple Israel in Albany. And the Albany Times Union now reports the 28-year-old man accused of firing two rounds from a shotgun into the air outside Temple Israel in Albany has been charged with possession by a prohibited person because he allegedly admitted to using marijuana regularly when he's interviewed by members of a federal task force following his arrest. Federal charges, one of the charges that was filed against Hunter Biden, who was an admitted crack cocaine user in 2018 when he was in possession of a revolver for less than two weeks. Of course, to the best of our knowledge, Biden never fired his gun. The person involved in the incident Thursday in Albany is Mufid Al-Qadr, a U.S. citizen who was born in Iraq. He allegedly told members of ATF that events in the Middle East have impacted him. That's according to a criminal complaint filed by an Albany detective. Al-Qadr is a resident of Schenectady, allegedly shouted free Palestine during Thursday's incident in Albany. It's unclear whether he said that while he's being arrested or when he fired the weapon or both. This story on the Times Union website by Brendan Lyons, Joshua Solomon, and Steve Hughes also says the criminal complaint indicates that Al-Qadr had waived his Miranda rights and agreed to speak with law enforcement officers after he was taken into custody and brought to the Albany Police Department. No one was heard in the shooting. That took place around 2 Thursday afternoon on the grounds of the Albany Synagogue. Al-Qadr was taken into custody shortly after by the Albany police. The ATF task force charged him with possession of a firearm by a prohibited person. It's a felony that carries a maximum penalty of 10 years in prison. He's scheduled to appear in federal court this morning. So that's the story from Albany that's making the news. This is Bob Joseph of Friday Morning. Thank you for joining us. We have plenty more coming up on Binghamton Now for you on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221EJ Binghamton. Where news breaks first, News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Mostly cloudy, then gradually becoming sunny today, high near 47. Partly cloudy tonight, low around 36. Saturday will be partly sunny with a high near 51. Sunday rain with thunderstorms possible, high near 54. On Wednesday, Broome County Sheriff Fred Akshar joined leaders from the local Jewish community, law enforcement, and representatives from the federal, state, and local government to publicly reaffirm the community's commitment to the safety and security of Jewish families and families of every faith as they celebrate the holiday season. The message of solidarity and support comes as the Hanukkah holiday began on Thursday as anti-Semitic rhetoric continues to be on the rise following the October 7 Hamas terrorist attack. 
Sheriff Fred Akshar acknowledged the current dark moment facing the country, expressing his unwavering belief in the inherent brightness of the community. From a law enforcement perspective, Akshar reassured the community that every possible measure is being taken to ensure the safety and well-being of Jewish families, enabling them to celebrate the holiday season just like any other family in Broome County. The planned sale of Binghamton-based Our Lady of Lords Memorial Hospital to Guthrie Clinic of Sayre, Pennsylvania is moving forward. Guthrie Clinic plans to borrow $140 million to acquire Lourdes and its affiliated facilities in Broome, Tioga, and Delaware counties. The proposed sale of Lourdes from St. Louis-based Ascension was announced last June. Authorities or Lourdes employees have been told the deal is expected to be finalized around February 1st. A public hearing on the issuance of tax-exempt revenue bonds to help finance the acquisition is scheduled for today. The hearing is to be held at 3 p.m. at the Central Bradford Progress Authority in Tawanda. As it prepares to buy Lord's Hospital, Guthrie Clinic is facing financial challenges. Its bond rating was downgraded in September by a major credit rating agency. According to Fitch Ratings, Guthrie's downgrade was due to higher operating losses than expected. Fitch said Guthrie Clinic was facing operational challenges that had been exacerbated by staffing shortages that limited its efforts towards an operational turnaround. In the rating agency's opinion, the Lord's acquisition could result in increased revenue through the eventual integration of clinical services. Former U.S. Representative Tom Suozzi has been elected to, selected to be the Democratic nominee in next year's special election to replace George Santos after he was expelled from the U.S. House. New York Democrats named him as their candidate on Thursday. He had been the front runner to represent Democrats in the February 13 election after previously holding the congressional seat for six years during his long career in Long Island politics. The district includes parts of Long Island and a northeastern section of the New York City borough of Queens. Republicans have not yet announced their candidates. Officials say a man fired a gun, a shotgun twice outside a Jewish temple in Albany, and then said free Palestine as he was taken into custody. Governor Kathy Hochul said no one was injured Thursday afternoon, hours before the start of Hanukkah. Police say the shots were fired outside of Temple Israel, and a 28-year-old man is in custody. Hoko said he was a local resident. Police say the shooting is being investigated as a hate crime. The episode took place amid rising fears of anti-Semitism worldwide and fallout from Israel's intensifying war in Gaza, which faces heightened criticism because of the mounting Palestinian death toll. Former President Donald Trump has returned to his New York civil business fraud trial, renewing his complaints that it is an injustice. Trump showed up Thursday to watch an accounting professor discuss financial topics important to the case. The witness for Trump's defense, Professor Eli Bartov, said he had reviewed the financial statements at issue in the case and had found no evidence of accounting fraud. Trump himself is scheduled to take the stand Monday for a second time. New York Attorney General James' suit accuses Trump, his company, and some executives of misleading banks and insurers by giving them financial statements with inflated asset values. 
Trump denies any wrongdoing. Preliminary designs are being released for an outdoor memorial to the 11 victims of the 2018 Pittsburgh synagogue attack. The plans call for the memorial to be adjacent to the Tree of Life synagogue. It's the scene of the deadliest anti-Semitic attack in U.S. history. Details remain yet to be determined, but the design includes a garden and 11 sculpted forms of open books symbolizing the Book of Life and Jewish tradition. The design came after years of dialogue by family members of the victims. They consulted with representatives of other communities traumatized by mass casualty attacks, and they heeded advice to go slowly and deliberately in planning the memorial. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio a condensed version of the state of Binghamton, as you see it. The state of the city is very strong. We're heading into the holiday season. Uh, the hustle and bustle is very active, whether you know, you're know you in the city of Binghamton or all across Broome County. It's, it's undoubtedly the holiday season. Uh, offices are doing the Christmas parties. We've got uh, the menorah in downtown Binghamton. Uh, we have an event this Sunday. We have the Christmas tree lighting. So uh, it's definitely the holiday season. season. A lot of people are out shopping, and it's exciting. And you even have had an event. I heard that several hundred people showed up at Rec Park last weekend for uh, carousel rides. And I was just over there this morning talking to uh, some of the city workers who are um, doing the, I guess it's daily maintenance at, mm-hmm. the, at the skating rink. And um, I guess there'll be another opportunity tomorrow for people to show up at Rec Park, which given the fact that it's supposed to be close to 50 and no rain tomorrow, I bet there will be another big crowd at Recreation Park. Yeah, Recreation Park is is hosting holiday carousel rides. Uh, so on Saturdays in December, uh, we're hosting families to come down, ride the carousel. Uh, the carousel is decorated. We also have uh, horse-drawn carriage rides through Recreation Park. You mentioned the ice rink. Obviously, uh, optimal temperatures for an ice skating rink are not 50 degrees. So our Parks Department crews are working diligently to try to uh, get the temperature down, but we'll always be fighting the weather there. I'm sure Binghamton residents would take 50 degrees in December, uh, uh, despite not having some ice, but um, we know the temperatures will go down. That's been a great tradition over several years. Parks employees do a great job, and it's just another holiday event in our local community. I know Otsenigal Park has the uh, the light show. There's a lot to do this time of year. Have you, have you toured the light show yet? I have not been this yet this year to the light show. I but, think I'm going tomorrow night. Yeah. It's th- amazing. Th- there's a lot to do, and, and I think 
the other side of it is that, you know, when we're thinking about our holiday shopping, we're thinking about what we're doing. I always tell people to spend local, buy local. We have amazing small businesses that are the bread and butter for our local economy. We have places that are locally owned, not just in downtown Binghamton, but in Binghamton neighborhoods. So if you're buying a gift card this season, go to a locally owned business or, or restaurant. If you're choosing to uh, shop retail, uh, go to Boscov's, go to one of our, our great specialty shops in downtown Binghamton. That's a way to keep our economy uh, flowing and, and uh, you know, buy local. Speaking of Boscovs, the major announcement that came just days before Thanksgiving, the start of the holiday shopping season, and it was the type of uh, announcement many people had been waiting for, and it certainly didn't come easy because I know for several years the city had been working with the county, and also the state, and also with Jim Boscov from the department store chain in Reading to find some way to line up financing for the, the work that's needed on the building that is leased by Boscovs. That's right. And, and really, for, for your listeners who may not know, Boscovs in downtown Binghamton is a really unique story. How, and I know that you've covered it many times in the past, how then Marijuana to Crab uh, enticed uh, Boscovs to come to downtown Binghamton in the first place. But the building that Boscovs uh, leases from and really operates their store out of is essentially a publicly owned building. It's owned by the Binghamton Local Development Corporation, meaning that if Boscovs were to ever leave, and, and certainly that's not the case now, but taxpayers would be stuck with a quarter million square foot empty building that you know has major needs as it relates to electrical, HVAC, really the infrastructure of the building. Anyone who's been in Boscovs have seen you know some of the leaky pipes and some of the drop ceiling. Uh, so we knew that we couldn't have that happen. That would be a, a strain on downtown Binghamton. You'd have a vacant, huge building with really no plan and still the need to invest millions of dollars to get the building up to up to where it needs to be. So working in a really collaborative, uh, collaborative way with Assemblywoman Lepardo, as well as County Executive Garner, uh, we were able to put together a plan for two things. Number one, a $10 million capital improvement plan for the Boscov store to address a lot of those issues, elevators, electrical, things that are needed in the building that have been put off for many years. And secondly, a 10-year lease and commitment from Boscovs to stay in downtown Binghamton. Downtown Binghamton is one of few uh, downtowns across America that has a department store in its downtown. So a very unique situation and Boscovs, uh, you know, drives hundreds of thousands of visitors per year. They're generating, you know, say a million dollars in sales tax revenue uh, for the county and for the city, as well as the 150 jobs that that are, you know, really providing people good paying jobs downtown, especially during the holiday season. I know they hire a lot more folks. So all those things being considered, it was a huge win for anyone who shops at Boscovs, a huge win for the city and downtown Binghamton. And I think a good showcase of what happens when people partner together, uh, identify different uh, grant funding sources, and, and really get a deal done that benefits residents. How soon do you believe that some of the key work will get started at the Boscow's building? I, I would say that, you know, from now and the end of the year, we'll 
we'll focus on some of the paperwork elements of, of getting the lease signed and getting the funding uh, allocated. Uh, some of the funding is state dollars, which has certain regulations and things we have to do in advance. But I would say, uh, you know, early next year, uh, we'll start to see a lot of the improvements. The one thing I will say is that a lot of what has to be done to the building is not necessarily seen by the shoppers. If you're talking about heating and cooling systems or building envelope, certainly, you know, elevators and, and lighting, those sort of things will be known. But a lot of what's wrong with that building and having gone through just about every inch of it, it's amazing how big it is and it's amazing how old it is. Um, this is uh, a, a building that has not really received significant work that, that anyone can recall. And, and even when Boscovs uh, got there in, in the 80s, they did a lot, but a lot of that building was left old, old systems, electrical panels, plumbing, that type of thing. So, indeed, to get the building ready for the grand opening of Boscovs in August 1984, I believe my recollection was, yeah, they, they certainly spruced up what you could see. But in terms of the internal systems, the major systems, air handling, uh, escalators, elevators, plumbing, things like that, I'm sure they did what they needed to do in to bring things at least minimally operational uh, during the several years that the place was was vacant. But again, a lot of it was was the stuff that was visible, not necessarily the the key elements that are are desperately needed to keep the place going beyond the the next few years. And and to that point, if if those if those systems aren't operating. You can't have a comfortable and safe store. That's right. And, and you know, think about uh, when you buy a house and you do a home inspection. The home inspector is not really worried about what the uh, chandelier looks like in the dining room and what color uh, paint is on the walls. They're looking at plumbing, electrical, roof, you know, HVAC, those critical aspects which can get very expensive if you don't keep them up and maintain them. Uh, and stuff that, you know, you want to know is on solid uh, ground before you know, Boscovs makes a, a significant investment staying here in the long term. And we're really excited about it. I was able to speak with uh, uh, with Jim Boscov. I know that uh, you spoke to him too uh, at the announcement and they're committed to Binghamton. And it's really historic, Boscov's uh, relationship with the city, Boscov's story at a national level uh, where so many other retailers have, have really um, either shut down stores or have, you know, been impacted uh, by different economic factors. Boscov continually is you know, adding stores. They're uh, very successful, and I think that's a lot to do with their leadership. One thing that still remains to be addressed, and, and realistically it, it may not be feasible, is the exterior of the building. And mm -hmm. I've, I've talked with Mr. Boscov about this, with Assemblywoman Donald Pardo, and even County Executive Jason Garner. Seems everybody agrees that it would be nice if the um i don't know if it's real brick or what the exterior is now whatever it is that they put up on the side of the building in 1972 as part of the modernization when it was still fowlers be nice and how be modern does it look right? i was gonna say <laughs> now here here we are half a century later and it's like eh, that's but it was the a, a 1970s sensibility you're that's lucky right. you're lucky you missed it <laughs> but um People seem to agree it would be nice in a perfect world to be able to remove that and expose what was uh, a so-called yellow brick 
facade, but as I look at, at the pictures, there are also, I don't know if it's 50 or 75 windows uh, on the, the upper floors that would have to be replaced, mm-hmm. as well as who knows what, what other elements would have to be addressed. So clearly, the cost would be a potential issue. Maybe, but I think everyone agrees that the reveal of the original uh, facade at that building would be a game changer for downtown Binghamton. Uh, it's something that I know the assemblywoman is very passionate about in talking to uh, residents uh, all over Binghamton. They always ask about that. What can we do about that facade? And Bosco's perspective, it's understandable. You know, they're looking at, hey, we need to fix our critical systems first. But everyone is in agreement is that as the uh, project progresses to fix the plumbing, electrical, the, the bare uh, basics of the building, we will be looking at and getting estimates on costs for that facade rehabilitation, what it would, would cost, because we do think that there are either historic tax credits or certain grant funds available that uh, would be very competitive to, to do that reveal. I can tell you, and again, walking the building almost every inch of it, I've seen the sort of backside of that Uh, faux facade and um, also know that there are a lot of places in that building where there are inch or two gaps in where the windows are so from just a building envelope standpoint and and an energy efficiency standpoint it's in everyone's interest to to fix that building envelope and uh, it would be an iconic project for downtown Binghamton I'm sure would get statewide attention and that's going to be phase two of what the city looks at in terms of that building. And just think about the the light that would be coming from those upper stories around the holiday season driving in downtown Binghamton. I think you shared with uh, uh, your listeners or on social media some of the photos. And, you know, it kind of takes your breath away thinking about what is beneath that brick facade. It would be spectacular. 1023, we're speaking live with Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram on this Friday morning. Another key element, though, for the future of Boscovs and also downtown is the parking facility. Mm -hmm. And we've been watching that site with uh, anticipation now for, we'll say, a few years because uh, clearly the uh, original Water Street parking garage that was there for several decades had exceeded its useful life and, and people were just I think thankful that the place uh, didn't have any serious problems while it was still in use and then it was ultimately demolished. Then, of course, some work did begin begin at the site last summer. I think for um, sometime August and, and September, there was a lot of activity, including pile driving at the site. But, of course, that's come to a halt. Bring us, Give us an overview. I know it's complicated, sure. but sort of uh, an overview of what happened with, with what was originally rolled out as a very ambitious Water Street redevelopment project. And now things are, at, at least for the moment, on hold. Sure. So um, just a, a little bit of history about that site. As you mentioned, you know, the condition of the Water Street garage necessitated demolition. Uh, the city would have had to have spent millions and millions of dollars just on band-aid repairs and you know i'm someone who is you know highly sensitive to the condition of, of parking garages um i you recall several years ago uh my uh, parents uh, vehicle was actually one of the ones crushed as part of the uhs garage collapse and my father was kind of the last one to walk out of that garage before it did so um i'm highly sensitive to that and, and certainly we don't want to have crumbling infrastructure in our downtown that's not just an eyesore but 
but potentially unsafe. So uh, there, there was a, there is a very ambitious plan as it relates to Water Street. How we originally drew it up was having a local development corporation uh, to uh, work with a private developer on a public-private partnership that would include a parking on the first four or five floors and then uh, market rate housing above. Uh, because of the current um, interest rate market and post-COVID, uh, it required some pretty su substantial uh, tax breaks through the IDA and a very unique and new financing type called the pilot bond, which required consent of the city, the county, and the school district. As was covered, the school district uh, decided not to approve uh, that financing structure, which really put the a larger project and that larger vision uh, at risk. And we spent some time with attorneys and finance folks over several months to see if we could find a way to piece that deal together. But ultimately, there wasn't a way to do it that didn't really put a financial strain on the city. So we, uh, we pivoted, and uh, right now bids are actually coming in next week for foundation work on the garage, uh, garage-only component to make sure that we can build the parking capacity that downtown needs. So uh, the garage will be built. Uh, we've, we've signed a contract with the precaster, and then we'll have the ability in the future if a private developer wants to come in and build housing on top of the garage, uh, they will be able to. And we hope that you know maybe in a couple of years when the interest rate market changes or there's potential grant opportunities, uh, someone will be willing to, to take on that challenge. But in the meantime, the short term, the city is building a garage to support Boscovs and support all of our downtown uh, retailers and restaurants that, that desperately need parking. So several piles were driven I mean, we knew or heard there was a flurry of activity for mm -hmm. uh for i think a couple weeks in october and then suddenly it came to a halt and then i think some of the uh, other piles that were intended for the site were over at a city owned site off robinson street for a while looks like they've been hauled away i don't know if that's the case but the last time i drove by uh, i don't think those piles are there anymore so how big a setback is this to getting getting uh, a functional parking garage at that site? I would say that we've kind of dealt with those setbacks uh, over the last you know, couple months. So certainly we had a plan on board, a developer and a, and a project. When pieces of that fell apart, you know, from just a legal perspective and, and what was in the best interest of the taxpayers, we couldn't continue uh, uh, with that larger project uh, once the school district uh, voted down some of the financing. So we've been pivoting and, you know, out to bid right now, again, is that foundation work. We've assigned the precast concrete uh, provider. So, you know, in, um, you know, over the next several months and certainly in the springtime of next year, you will see very similar to the 7 Holly Street operation, almost a Lego set style, a build where the precast concrete is brought in from a plant in Massachusetts. From the and same plant? That from the provided. same plant, that's correct. Uh, it's a firm called Unistress. They were involved in the, the Tappan Zee Bridge project. I mean, the uh, Mario Cuomo Bridge project, of course. Uh, and uh, so they were involved in that. They're, they're one of the nationwide leaders. So activity will happen and you know, we know that Boscovs needs that garage. We know that downtown retailers and restaurants need that garage. Folks going to shows at the Forum, hockey uh, games. So it's really important that we rebuild that parking capacity. So is the commitment to Boscovs and to people downtown that there will be 
uh, functional parking garage for the holiday season in 2024. Is that, uh, do you view that as a firm commitment then? I'm not going to make a firm commitment on that. Um, all I'll say is that, you know, construction will begin uh, and you'll see a lot going up vertically in the springtime of next year. Um, you never know what happens with construction. A lot can be done quickly with precast concrete, uh, but we're going to be pushing the contractors as, as much as possible to, to exactly meet that goal that you know, Boscovs can at least have some level of parking available for their holiday season next in next year. Do you think it could be, let's see, a perfect, well, uh, under a realistic situation without unforeseen labor difficulties or supply difficulties, would it be attainable to have the project completed in time for, say, before Thanksgiving of next year? Or is that likely, given the, the realities of uh, 2023 and 2024, not not really in the cards? or I'm not sure. The thing that I'm uh, looking forward to and we're getting clarification on is there is an ability, the way that these garages are built, to open up, say, the ground floor. So maybe we can get 60 spaces open at a time as crews and contractors finish off some of the finishing work, electrical, et cetera, on upper floors. So there is an ability with this precast construction type to open floors kind of as they become available, as they become complete. So that's something we'll look on because 60 spots in that garage is better than zero, 120 is better than 60. And that's my hope is to have some level of parking open you know, for the holiday shopping season in 2024. And what is the total number of spots now expected for the the new garage once it's complete? It's around a little bit north of 500. And uh, I can't tell you the exact number. There's been some some slight changes as we've done a redesign, but um, about 500 spaces. 535 and, was the original proposal. And the structure would be capable of supporting uh, a future development above it if that's something that, that could be worked out in coming years? That's correct. It was designed in a way where we can build this garage and then, you know, again, with interest rates the way they are, you know, people think... You know, interest rates going from three, four percent to eight, nine percent. It's only a few percentage points on a project that could be 20, 30, 40 million dollars. That represents millions and millions in future debt service that just doesn't make these uh, uh, plans pencil out. And talk to any contractor locally, anyone doing construction, they'll tell you that the interest rates and the tightening market really impacts uh, how projects can move forward. But yes, the garage is being built in a way that can support future housing, and that it will be the city's uh, you know, decision on how to move forward, uh, what type of housing we want, and, and, and what the timelines are on, on delivering that. Our guest is Binghamton Mayor Jared Graham. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now on a Friday morning on WNBF. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. First is
WNBF, the big N with all the hits all the time. We're just talking about uh, possible formats for the future. <laughs> That's right. Stay tuned to WNBF. We we may have we may have uh, just come up with an idea. But <laughs> That's right. That's right. We'll have to put uh, what do they call it when uh, the, the the networks always put out for the advertisers what yes. their lineups yes. are and everything. Uh, yeah. The um, what, oh, it's the fall. Not the futures, or not the preempts, pre yeah. something, yeah. yeah, yeah. And we put it out there and run the idea up the flagpole. And That's right. It, the thing is, I'm under the impression the idea is great, and it probably, if we execute it, would probably mean an end to this program <laughs> and something all new from nine to yep. noon. But that you know, I, I, we already have have made the preliminary plans. We we already know what the first show is going to be like. It's 1035, Friday morning live with Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram on Binghamton Now. Well, here's a, this is an ongoing tough topic here in downtown Binghamton, and it's the issue of crime. And I know this is one component where some of the people operating the small businesses, especially along Washington Street, but some on Court Street as well, the uh, general heart of downtown Binghamton have been dealing with issues that have been unpleasant for them and for their employees and also for their customers. So tell me what the city can do. One of the things that uh, disturbed me is just a few weeks ago, a small restaurant not far from City Hall had its window shattered, a uh, small family-run restaurant. And, you know, they let's face it, no restaurant, no business should have to put up with that. I think somebody shot a BB gun through the window and the same night somebody shot uh, a gun into a car or whatever. Um, people are concerned, not just about what's happening at night, but even during the day, especially along Washington Street. What is the city going to do to address the issue? Sure. It's something that I talk a lot about with, you know, downtown uh, business owners. I, I think it's, it's first important to say that, you know, downtown Binghamton is safe, right? Uh, it is a, a great place to, um, to go, to, you know, no matter the time of day. But like any urban uh, core, you know, we have issues with public safety and, and a variety on a spectrum of public safety issues dealing from, you know, things like violent crime, of course, but also things like, uh, you know, aggressive panhandling and some of the maybe um, nuisance or, uh, you know, breaking windows, sort of that, that type of behavior, vandalism, which is still goes to quality of life and goes to safety. So I think a couple things uh, are important to note. I think you reported on, it was uh, maybe several weeks ago or more more than a month ago, some of the city's efforts to kind of crack down on the operations that the Salvation Army was having. Uh, they had uh, really, I think, neglected their duties in terms of uh, providing public safety for their clients being served out of that soup kitchen. So we met with them and, and in good faith they're operating and have shifted some things around to make it uh, better on Washington Street for those, uh, those clients and those businesses. Uh, but the second big thing that we're doing is um, both in neighborhoods across the city, but also specifically downtown, is the return of the walking patrols. And this is something that you've reported on. I think you were the one to break the story that, you know, walking patrols were back in neighborhoods, but they're back downtown too. And, and since the first of the year, the, uh, the city has been spending north of $20,000, uh, you know, so far on uh, walking patrols downtown. These are officers who are not responding to calls. They're not in a patrol car. They're out of their patrol cars, interacting with businesses. And those patrols have yielded hundreds of positive interactions, them stopping into businesses, talking to people on the street, 
giving directions to a family that's coming in from a Binghamton University family weekend. So having a more of a police presence downtown is critical. And I also think too that the momentum that's happening with some of the new restaurants and taverns that are opening, um, you know, during COVID and and you know the last few years when we've had a lot less activity downtown, when you don't have a lot of people families, uh, after work, um, happy hours, people coming down for dinner, uh, what you're left is is with maybe people that are that are up to no good. So the more businesses that we can have downtown, the higher density of places that are opening. Um, I'm really excited about a lot of the restaurants opening downtown or have opened in the last couple weeks and months. That uh, means that there's better activity. And, and I think that although you know a lot of the police ability to deal with some of these quality of life crimes have been handcuffed by some of the state law with bail reform and raise the age, um, they're going to be dogged and, and they're going to do their best job to ensure public safety uh, in the city. Are you concerned that because some business operators have actually said they're they're considering potentially moving out of downtown Binghamton because of some of the issues that either they or their employees or their customers have been dealing with in recent months? Yeah, I would say that if you look at the trend of what's happening, we have people more people wanting to move into downtown Binghamton. And so uh, I've talked to a lot of the folks uh, both on Washington Street, Court Street, and really downtown at large. And I I would say that that the folks that I talk to, again, share some public safety concerns. And I I talk to a lot of residents in Binghamton who have public safety concerns, who are uh, concerned about crime and encroaching in their neighborhoods. Uh, But I think if you look at the trends, there are more people investing in downtown Binghamton. Certainly Boscov's, which is a major uh, business, would not choose to sign a 10-year lease if they didn't feel confident in the future of public safety downtown. And, And, you know, we're going to continue to work at it. Uh, It's not just, I think, crime, but I think also figuring out and and doing a really good job as it relates to trash and garbage is huge for downtown. You know, downtown, we've made a real effort to increase the uh, frequency of trash pickup, uh, buying uh, new garbage cans, uh, which are downtown Binghamton. And also uh, after an event like SantaCon uh, and, and planning for that and making sure that downtown was, was clean after that, is all part of the issue. So it's not just crime, it's it's trash and garbage, it's quality of life, and it certainly is economic development focused to bring in more people, more families, and, and, and folks who just want to enjoy themselves downtown. Were you downtown last Saturday during SantaCon? I was downtown, I was in my car, I was downtown, I was on the west side, and probably went out at three different uh, times to kind of judge the beginning, the middle, the end, and then early morning on Sunday to ensure that there was no aftermath as uh, in terms of SantaCon. So I was out and about. What's your assessment? Because I, I specifically this year chose not to go downtown. I was was um, here on a, I think around five o'clock on uh, the Saturday afternoon of SantaCon last year. I was very unhappy with what I saw. I normally am not too concerned by crowds, but there was a lot of broken glass. And again, this is around five o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. The streets were littered with broken glass. Of course, inevitably, we bring in hundreds or however many people participating, young people and people older. A lot of drinking, of course. So some people just were having problems because of uh, overindulgence. But last year didn't look good. Did you see some signs where things were 
either out of control or on the verge of getting out of hand this so year. What I'll say is that, you know, this year was a marked difference, I think, in terms of um, what happened during in terms of the city response. We had uh, more police downtown. We had more public works employees downtown doing cleanup and a better plan this year. Uh, last year, uh, we were not anticipating the size of those crowds. And so we weren't wanting to get caught flat-footed this year. So what I would say is that, you know, Binghamton Police did shut down in uh, consultation with the fire marshal's office three locations uh, that had, you know, north of a, probably a thousand kids uh, in backyards. And it's not clear that they were actually uh, hosting uh, these parties as opposed to uh, just a, a conglomerate of, of students that were kind of hanging out in one area. I mean, from the sidewalk or in sometimes spilling into the road in some places on the near west side like on front street all the way through these properties were were students and um you know they weren't really doing anything other than standing there it was a great uh, weather day 55 degrees but the sheer number of students was i wouldn't call it parade day levels it wasn't that busy but they were thousands and it was the the largest kind of student related event much more than pub crawl much more than even State Street on a on a parade day for the students. So, if this is going to become a new annual tradition, um, and where it, uh, we'll see actually students from universities across upstate New York kind of descend on Binghamton and, and up the numbers, we're going to have to continue to have a plan for it and make sure that everyone's safe. And you know, work a little bit closer with the university and some of their off-campus college folks to ensure that all the students know the rules. We did do uh, proactive outreach to all of the sports teams and fraternities that are located in the city of Binghamton to let them know of the rules. And I think by doing so, we probably uh, you know, helped some issues from even happening in the first place. But there was no doubt a large, large crowd on the west side and downtown. And it's a you know, essentially unregulated event. And I assume that anytime you have lots and lots of people downtown, whether it's for SantaCon or the St. Patrick's Parade or the pub crawl in May or for Luma, you've got to be concerned as mayor at, about the possibility of, of somebody getting seriously hurt or even killed when, when events of this scale are held. WNBF, WNBF.com. This is Bob Joseph. Binghamton now we're talking with Mayor Jared Cram. So I understand City Council has taken some action about uh, the property, the old Cogen plant at 22 Charles Street in the First Ward. Yeah, so um, the, the old uh, Cogen power plant, which is the, uh, the steam stack that you can see from uh, Route 17 and the Charles Street Business Park, uh, my administration has been working with NYSERDA and through our economic development office to uh, find kind of a, a plan and repurposing for that for that site powered by natural gas uh, due to the state's a new uh, climate change uh, acts and different laws that have passed that could never uh, become a peaker plant again or could never be a natural gas power plant again so it's got really unique infrastructure really unique uh, aspects of the property so we are working with NYSERDA and obtained a grant for them to study potential reuse one of those key elements of reuse is that 
Uh, the Charles Street Business Park is owned by the BLDC, but the, which is the local development corporation uh, that handles economic development and sale of property. But the power plant was owned by the city. So uh, we city council approved the sale for a dollar from the city to the BLDC. And look at what that could mean for potential redevelopment at Charles Street, where that could fit in to a plans for someone who wants to utilize the space. Um, it's a very unique building. Again, even if you don't have uh, the turbine for uh, energy generation, you have high bay uh, space, you have a lot of um, you know, opportunity there for how it is next to the Charles Street Business Park. So we're excited about the plans. The other thing included in that plan too is seeing if we can find a way to reconnect the Charles Street Business Park with uh, Prospect, uh, which is uh, has been talked about for years that as it relates to trucks and uh, a lot of traffic getting off the highway, it's not exactly easy getting off that McGat Street exit and uh, you know, going anywhere really uh, in, in the first ward. So that's being looked at as part of it as well. One other thing at the Charles Street Business Park that was announced a little over a year ago, the possibility of cannabis cultivation of uh, uh, California based in California. So what is the status of that? Is that still a possibility at this stage or, or don't, don't you know what will yes. happen? And really, Bob, no pun intended, but the embers are still burning on that. Um, it may not be the uh, cannabis company that was originally named uh, when we made that announcement, but there still is interest from uh, cannabis uh, cultivators, manufacturers to utilize Charles Street. And especially since uh, very soon there's going to be a state application due for uh, folks that are looking to get into that uh, part of the business and not the retail part. But, you know, the job creation, manufacturing, uh, high-tech aspects of the cannabis industry. So um, while uh, Steezy, which was the original uh, brand out of California, uh, may not be the one involved, there is still interest in land in the Charles Street Business Park uh, from uh, cannabis uh, companies. And also Charles Street Business Park Innovation Associates IA, they now have moved in. Their operations are, are up and running at that, that facility that most recently had been used by Save Around. That's correct. And that was, uh, you know, 85 jobs, which is great for the first ward. Uh, they are a nationally renowned pharmaceutical uh, support manufacturer, advanced manufacturing. So uh, think about what 85 high paying jobs does for all of the businesses up and down Clinton Street, what it does for the city of Binghamton and having them as an anchor in the Charles Street Business Park will help us attract more companies. It is a really a showcase and the fact that this, this national company has really planted their flag there shows other companies looking to locate that Binghamton is open for business. You and I have had several conversations off the air about the Masonic Temple on Main Street at Murray. Mm -hmm. It, I was going to say it celebrated. It marked its 100th anniversary a few weeks ago, but sadly there was nothing to celebrate. What, what about the future for that? Uh, it's a very solid building, but inside, clearly, it needs a lot of help. You know, it's one of these um, difficult challenges uh, in cities and certainly across upstate New York where you have these amazing historic buildings that are very large, have a lot of character, and frankly may have great bones and great infrastructure, but years of neglect or ownership that is not invested in it means that uh, weeds are starting to grow uh, through the foundations and, you know, they've had break-ins, as we've talked about. Uh, thankfully now it seems like the building has been secured best it can. But 
as you look at those buildings, what it's going to take is someone with vision and someone with experience rehabilitating historic buildings. I, I think very similarly, um, if you look at the Ansco building in the First Ward, uh, that was going to sit in its condition for probably decades until developer Matt Paulus, who had the vision and expertise to, to get that online. Same could be said for the Victory building um, in Johnson City. And similarly, on the east side of Binghamton, the former Inebrid Asylum, you know, large, beautiful, historic building. So. I think that we need time for uh, the market and, and folks who are interested in historic rehabilitation to, to find a future use for the Masonic Temple. It will no doubt take tens of millions of dollars, uh, either an institution or someone with a lot of cash or, or equity uh, to be able to do something. Binghamton Mayor Jared Graham, thanks for covering some of the issues involving the Parlor City. We look forward to having you back. We'll be back. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. And happy holidays. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Coming up, we'll have news from ABC, then a local news update from WNBF News, and then a full hour of phone calls for you. We're live and local. The information you need. Binghamton Now. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Mostly cloudy, then gradually becoming sunny today, high near 47. Partly cloudy tonight, low around 36. Saturday will be partly sunny with a high near 51. Sunday rain with thunderstorms possible, high near 54. On Wednesday, Broome County Sheriff Fred Akshar joined leaders from the local Jewish community, law enforcement, and representatives from the federal, state, and local government to publicly reaffirm the community's commitment to the safety and security of Jewish families and families of every faith as they celebrate the holiday season. The message of solidarity and support comes as the Hanukkah holiday began on Thursday as anti-Semitic rhetoric continues to be on the rise following the October 7 Hamas terrorist attack. Sheriff Fred Akshar acknowledged the current dark moment facing the country, expressing his unwavering belief in the inherent brightness of the community. From a law enforcement perspective, Akshar reassured the community that every possible measure is being taken to ensure the safety and well-being of Jewish families, enabling them to celebrate the holiday season just like any other family in Broome County. The planned sale of Binghamton-based Our Lady of Lords Memorial Hospital to Guthrie Clinic of Sayre, Pennsylvania is moving forward. Guthrie Clinic plans to borrow $140 million to acquire Lourdes and its affiliated facilities in Broome, Tioga, and Delaware counties. The proposed sale of Lourdes from St. Louis-based Ascension was announced last June. Authorities or Lourdes employees have been told the deal is expected to be finalized around February 1st. A public hearing on the issuance of tax-exempt revenue bonds to help finance the acquisition is scheduled for today. The hearing is to be held at 3 p.m. at the Central Bradford Progress Authority in Tawanda. As it prepares to buy Lord's Hospital, Guthrie Clinic is facing financial challenges. Its bond rating was downgraded in September by a major credit rating agency. 
According to Fitch Ratings, Guthrie's downgrade was due to higher operating losses than expected. Fitch said Guthrie Clinic was facing operational challenges that had been exacerbated by staffing shortages that limited its efforts towards an operational turnaround. In the rating agency's opinion, the Lord's acquisition could result in increased revenue through the eventual integration of clinical services. Former U.S. Representative Tom Suozzi has been elected to, selected to be the Democratic nominee in next year's special election to replace George Santos after he was expelled from the U.S. House. New York Democrats named him as their candidate on Thursday. He had been the front-runner to represent Democrats in the February 13 election after previously holding the congressional seat for six years during his long career in Long Island politics. The district includes parts of Long Island and a northeastern section of the New York City borough of Queens. Republicans have not yet announced their candidate. Officials say a man fired a gun, a shotgun twice outside a Jewish temple in Albany, and then said free Palestine as he was taken into custody. Governor Kathy Hochul said no one was injured Thursday afternoon, hours before the start of Hanukkah. Police say the shots were fired outside of Temple Israel, and a 28-year-old man is in custody. Hoko said he was a local resident. Police say the shooting is being investigated as a hate crime. The episode took place amid rising fears of anti-Semitism worldwide and fallout from Israel's intensifying war in Gaza, which faces heightened criticism because of the mounting Palestinian death toll. Former President Donald Trump has returned to his New York civil business fraud trial, renewing his complaints that it is an injustice. Trump showed up Thursday to watch an accounting professor discuss financial topics important to the case. The witness for Trump's defense, Professor Eli Bartov, said he had reviewed the financial statements at issue in the case and had found no evidence of accounting fraud. Trump himself is scheduled to take the stand Monday for a second time. New York Attorney General James' suit accuses Trump, his company, and some executives of misleading banks and insurers by giving them financial statements with inflated asset values. Trump denies any wrongdoing. Preliminary de designs are being released for an outdoor memorial to the 11 victims of the 2018 Pittsburgh synagogue attack. The plans call for the memorial to be adjacent to the Tree of Life Synagogue. It's the scene of the deadliest anti-Semitic attack in U.S. history. Details remain yet to be determined, but the design includes a garden and 11 sculpted forms of open books, symbolizing the Book of Life and Jewish tradition. The design came after years of dialogue by family members of the victims. They consulted with representatives of other communities traumatized by mass casualty attacks and they heeded advice to go slowly and deliberately in planning the memorial. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. News Radio Joseph, you're listening to Binghamton Now, live and local on a Friday morning. 607-772-1290 is the number. Call in and speak. 
on your favorite radio program on WNBF. And let's go to the phones. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? I'm Vic from the Forks. Good morning, Vic. I listened intently to your interview with uh, Mr. Mayor Graham, and I was very disappointed in what he had to say. Uh, mainly about the city of Binghamton, a city that I love. I do love it, but I can't go there anymore because of the crime rate. Uh, um, Jeffrey Cram says the crime rate is not that bad. Well, it's Jared. Remember, it's Jared Cram. Uh, Jared. Yeah, uh, Jeff Cram was his dad. Correction. Yep, thank you. Thank you for that correction. But the fact is, he blew smoke up everybody that was listening on your show, Guazoo, because Binghamton is not safe. As a matter of fact, Binghamton is worded the highest crime rate, off, which is 38.3 per thousand across the country, not just New York State. I looked it up, and Binghamton has got the highest crime rate. In and what's the, the source of that? That would be, I knew you were going to ask, that would be... Uh, uh, Binghamton crime rate statistics from the neighborhood. Yeah, South. what what website? Just who who is I, I, yeah. identify oh, the uh, source because I I I strongly uh, doubt that Binghamton's crime rate is as high as as you're you're claiming. I I work here every day, and and even when I'm not working here, I, I spend a lot of time here. I can't believe that the crime rate in Binghamton is higher than, say, the crime rate in Syracuse or Albany or Rochester. I mean, it may be. I just I find it difficult to believe. I, I want to see the source and then see how the other cities upstate compare and some uh, cities in, uh, in Pennsylvania of similar size. I'll be size. glad to provide that source for you, Bob. But before I do, I just want to say one more thing. According to this source that I'm going to give you right now, uh, the crime rate... In America, uh, compare in America, compared to all communities of all sizes, from the smallest to the largest city, uh, one has a chance of being a victim of either a violent or a property crime. Here is in Binghamton is one in twenty six, and that source is uh, the HTTP www, uh, and then neighborhood. Scout.com. And who runs NeighborhoodScout.com? Neighborhood no, no. Scout. You know, it, they, they, it's a watch program over crime rates in the country. That's all I can tell you. I, I didn't. I, I found the link. I looked at it, and it's not the only link. There are other links out there. Uh, all you have to do is type in uh, uh, crime statistics per city. Uh, in New York, then you can do across mm. the country, which is what I did. All right. Well, at, at some point, maybe this weekend, I'll take a closer look. I, I still assert that your, your, in my opinion, your chance of being a victim of violent crime in Binghamton is not one in twenty-six. We see it every day in the news. There's somebody got shot, somebody got stabbed, somebody got jumped, somebody got rolled. Bob, if we have a problem in this city, we look America. Has a crime problem. I'm I'm still trying to put this in into context with other cities and even other communities in in Broome County. And that's look. I do the news. I I'm here. Um, much of 
my waking hours are spent in the city of Binghamton, and I, I'm sure I wind up seeing the results of crime a lot more than the average person because I'm a reporter. So if there is a crime, it's people like me who actually go out and report on it, and that's how people know that there are crimes. And as I've said before, many go unreported on the news. But still, I, I still strongly disagree with your, your basic premise that crime in Binghamton is so much higher than in other communities this size. Well, that's what the uh, source I gave you. I know. A, a neighborhood scout can do what they want. I don't, as the first, I'm, I'm looking at their website right now, so I can't, I can't vouch for uh, the stuff they put on their website. Maybe, maybe it's reliable. Maybe it's not, but I, I've seen too many websites that use things like crime statistics or how dangerous is your city or how dirty is your city, and I see the way their websites are set up. They're set up not so much to provide factual information. They're set up to uh, basically get lots of clicks, but I'll, I'll do more research about this website, and maybe maybe next week we'll talk more about it. I still... I still don't believe that Binghamton is that dangerous. I'm headed to Virginia for the week next week. But let me tell you this, Bob. If we have a problem, we don't sugarcoat it. We, we don't hide it. We address it. And that's how we make things better. We address the problem. We don't sit back and tell people, hey, uh, we're doing a great job when we're not. Because it, I think a lot of people will agree with me. That Binghamton's not safe, uh, and it's no more safer than Syracuse or New York City or any other place per capita by population. But in comparison, by capita per listen to me, I'm rumbling off because I'm excited. In comparison uh, with these other cities, like New York City has 7.5 million people, Binghamton has less than 40,000, I believe, uh, and. It, that per capita comes in there where they measure the crime, uh, one out of 100 people. They use a stat like that to get their crime rates down and to get their, uh, or not crime rates down, reported. And like you said, Bob, you're a reporter, and you said it more than once on your show, and you just said it a few minutes ago. A lot of crime goes unreported. Unreported, you can't find it, even though you hear it on the news, they don't. You can't follow up on crimes like uh, there was an assault, there was a DWI, I believe, one time where you couldn't get any information on it. It happened, but there was no follow-up because somebody hushed it up. I mean, you know, you know that's going on. You complained about it going on. Oh, yeah, and I'll continue to complain. I, I know get, obtaining quick and factual information about a lot of incidents continues to be a challenge with every agency around here, and and certainly I, I, um, I work to provide as much information as possible when it's relevant. The other thing that I'll I'll point out, um, fifty years ago, or forty years ago, or even thirty years ago, a lot of stuff was reported in local newspapers. If you look back and see what was going on in Binghamton, just based on newspaper accounts whether it was 1923 or 1973 or 1983, there was a lot of stuff 
a lot of stuff in terms of assaults, robberies, larcenies, burglaries, vandalism. Now, admittedly, because things have changed in terms of newspaper journalism, uh, those things just are not going to be reported in, in the newspaper anymore. They never will because they don't. They have a, a completely different model of operating. But I still tell people, sometimes I look at headlines, things that have happened a few decades ago here in Binghamton that are atrocious. And if they happened today, people would be stunned. And, and I'm not saying there aren't some very serious and sometimes terrible things that happen here in Binghamton. But in terms of putting them in historic context, I'm not going to agree with people that Binghamton at this moment is much more dangerous or in terms of crime a lot different than it was over the last century. You know, even even when even when the city was in theory more prosperous, we're let's let's be clear. The last half century has been challenging for every community here in upstate New York as industry has been lost and jobs have been lost. And it's true. One of the problems that is an underlying concern when it comes to crime is poverty. And the poverty rate here in Binghamton and in surrounding communities in Broome County, the poverty rate today is a lot higher than it was 20 or 50 years ago. And that's that's a factor. There are also more people uh, in need of mental health treatment who are out on the streets fending for themselves and more people I think with serious substance abuse issues that aren't getting the help they need. These are all factors and they do need to be addressed. I agree with that. I think uh, we have uh, some great assets in Broome County to make Binghamton a golden city like it was back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Uh, we lost over 80,000 manufacturing jobs in the Broome County area, and that's according to Senator Gillibrand's website um, in the last 30 years. Uh, that, that sounds like a little bit, but it isn't because uh, 80,000 jobs are gone. We were down to 40,000 people in the population, 240,000 in the county. Now, uh, I think we have a golden opportunity with Binghamton University and uh, other the, the, the healthcare uh, jobs uh, and our education in the high schools and stuff could be much better. Grade schools could be much better. Uh, we could turn this community around from people talking bad about it to people talking about let's live here again because it's a great community. And you don't hear that too much anymore because it just doesn't shine with the garbage all over the streets. The, the broken windows downtown, the boarded-up houses in the neighborhoods, uh, uh, the unkept houses in the neighborhoods. Uh, if, you know, in order to shine, you have to wax yourself. And Bampton is not waxing itself. Well, and it requires everybody to pull together when it comes to the way the city looks, not just in terms of behavior, but as far as maintaining properties and repairing properties, yeah, everybody's going to have to pull together because all it takes on an otherwise beautiful residential block, just one home, to be abandoned or neglected, and it's like a cancer. It's, It's going to spread. Appreciate your call. Thank you, Vic. It's 1122. It's Friday morning. Binghamton Now. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF.
From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We're still saving the Southern Tier money at Galt Toyota. WNBF. Feeling fine, mama. Painted ladies and a bottle of wine, mama. Feeling good, mama. They took my money like I knew they would. La 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 la. WNBF with another classic. Back when we were the big N. (laughs) We were never the big N. But that's uh, since we're. Saluting the top hits from exactly 50 years ago today from WNE's record survey, back when the station was in Endicott, that was the number three song, (laughs) Ian Thomas. So there you go. If you're good, maybe I'll play songs four and five as we um, celebrate the way music was in December 1973. Let's take a look at the forecast. First part of the forecast is lovely, and then the second part is, um, we'll just say the second part of the forecast is cause for a little concern. Anyway, here it is. Listen carefully. According to the National Weather Service, mostly cloudy to start and gradually becoming sunny this afternoon, high 47, partly cloudy tonight, low 36, partly sunny tomorrow, high 51, rain and thunderstorms on Sunday, high 54. And right now, it's just out there. It's, uh, what is it now? It's got to be in the 40s now, in my opinion. Find a, find a mile. Yeah, it's up to 44. 44 in downtown Binghamton, which equates to 7 Celsius. Not bad. Not bad for December 8th. And air quality is mm, not good, but not really bad. Air quality index, moderate. AQI is 55. At News Radio WNBF. Well, since nobody else has bothered to bring it up, I'll bring it up. Uh, Hunter Biden. Uh, Hunter Biden has been indicted. Uh, the timing, I don't even understand the timing. What, why would they announce the indictment of Hunter Biden on a Thursday night? And during the holiday season. You know, it's not very... 
Talking about the war on Christmas, sounds like the Justice Department is trying to spoil the holidays for the Biden family by indicting Hunter. It's about two weeks before Christmas. It's going to be a less than happy holiday celebration at the Biden household in their public housing complex in D.C. So anyway, the federal grand jury has charged Hunter Biden with a scheme to evade federal taxes on millions in income from foreign businesses. The second indictment against him this year in a major new development in a case Republicans have made the cornerstone of a possible impeachment of President Biden. Hunter, the president's son, faces three counts each of evasion of a tax assessment, failure to file and pay taxes, and filing a false or fraudulent tax return, according to the 56-page indictment. According to the New York Times, that's a withering play-by-play of personal indulgence with potentially enormous political cost for his father. So I'm just perusing. It's a 56-page indictment. Defendant Robert Hunter Biden was a Georgetown and Yale-educated lawyer, lobbyist, consultant, and business person. At times relevant to this indictment, he served on the board of a Ukrainian industrial conglomerate and a Chinese private equity fund. He negotiated and executed contracts and agreements for businesses and legal services that paid millions of dollars of compensation to him and or his domestic corporations. Anyway, well, that's how it starts, and let's face it, who wants to hear a 56-page federal indictment read on the radio? I'll just cut to the, the final. The final paragraph, and this, this is just the final I mean, there are several counts. I'm just reading the final paragraph. If you want to look at the indictment yourself, it's on the Internet, so you can peruse it at your leisure. But the final paragraph in this 56-page indictment says, During the calendar year 2019, Robert Hunter Biden had and received taxable income of more than $843,000, and he owed... In income taxes, about 197000 he was required by law to pay that amount by the deadline in 2020. And it says here, he apparently didn't, it says he did willfully fail in uh, California and elsewhere to pay the income tax due. So bottom line is, yeah, Hunter Biden now is in pretty big trouble. As far as what happens with his dad, hey, I don't have a crystal ball. Remember those magic eight balls? Yeah, it looks pretty hazy right now. But is this going to be viewed by anyone as good news, including the White House press secretary? No, it's not good news. It's, it's very bad news for the Biden family, for the Biden corporation, for Biden fans. And it's great news for people who really dislike all things Biden. You know, talk about a holiday celebration. There must be parties going on now. Or if not now, there'll probably be 
two or three day par parties going on this weekend with people celebrating the Hunter Biden indictment. And then also people in Washington and elsewhere trying to figure out, all right, so based on this 56-page indictment, what can we use in the indictment to impeach the president? Because you know that's what they want to do. I don't think most Republicans in the House have the stomach to impeach President Biden based on what's out there so far. There certainly are yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, Matt Gates, maybe Claudia Tenney. I don't, I don't know for sure. We don't speak anymore. But bottom line is, do some Republicans desperately want to impeach Joe Biden? Yes. Remember, there's that one member of Congress. She said she was planning to impeach Joe Biden even before he was inaugurated in January 2021. So this, this is playing right into the hands of the people like that. The Biden haters are celebrating. You know, maybe the bars will be open till 5 a.m. Or maybe they can get all-night permits so they, they don't have to close all at all this weekend so the people celebrating another indictment of Hunter Biden can relax and enjoy the spectacle. It's 1134. What do you think? 607-772-1290. This is your program. I'm just... Here running the controls at WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Everybody is afraid to talk about Hunter Biden. Don't be afraid. Call in if, if you think he... He's innocent. Call in. Defend Hunter Biden because he may be not guilty of anything. Tom in Susquehanna, you're on the air. Okay, thanks, Bob. You know, where do you get that bump of music? It's going into Christmas. Why don't you put a little bit of, um, of uh, you know, Christmas music on? Wait, hold on. Let me check. You can't see the morning. It's like a, a song for um, riding the sleigh, like through the yeah. through the snow, like Action News used to do. They had a they had a horse drawn yeah, sleigh, yeah. and the music they had was uh, BTO from Canada. Oh, well, I don't That's know. what they I used to I do. Used to listen, I listened to Johnny Cash, uh, a bunch of stuff there. I even like Pavarotti. I you know I all those songs, but I'm old. You know who listen. is nice is uh, that uh, Marla Carey. She's got the her Christmas song. I love that. I can't get enough with her. What does uh, she have? She has a Christmas song, and it's like the it's the highest played Christmas song of the last decade. You've oh, never heard Marla Carey? Marla Carey has the, it's like Santa, uh, Santa all I want is a Tesla for Christmas. Or so I don't know what it's called, but it's. <laughs> It's very, oh, yeah. um, very right, emotional. Had me going. Can I talk about Biden? I hope so. All right. Talk, you know, uh, <laughs> all I want for Christmas is a Tesla. Well, oh, yeah, and 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 a case what? of Moxie. 
right, all right, all right. Now, put a little bit of Big Crosby on there, you know, White Christmas. Go for the old shows. You got a lot of older people that listen, you know? Uh, all right, listen. Uh, I'm talking, uh, Hunter Biden, it's just a matter of time before they were going to get him. But he's not the one that they're going to get. This is going to turn it all around, and they're going to be getting Biden. I mean, the money and where it is gone is unbelievable. And I don't understand. Is the Democrat Party want to destroy itself? I mean, they're still defending Biden. Oh, uh, here gets uh, uh, Whaley goes into the debates. If Biden ever debated Trump, if Biden ever, even that guy Ramaswamy, who I'm beginning really not to like. I don't. I thought he was pretty good, but he's really bad. He would kill Biden. Biden, now you, you're a big Democrat. Why don't you do this? If, if you probably, you know, when they when they talk to you about it, you're known as a liberal. They better tell him to get rid of it because he's gone now. And that's well, my prediction. Well, I've already said I don't think Biden is going to be the Democratic nominee, but I've also said Trump isn't either. So no, mark no, no, my no. words. Mark my words. December 8th, 2023, the two major party candidates in the November election coming up in less than 11 months are not going to be the people you think. Yeah. Oh, no. Who is going to replace Trump? I don't know. Not DeSantis, that's what? for sure. Uh, no, what's, no, 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 no. what's her name? Well, I mean, what's her I name? Can see, uh, Kelly what? Clarkson. I can see, Kelly Clarkson. I can see gonna, what? What? Kelly Clarkson is going to replace Trump on the Republican Who? ticket. Who's Ellie Clarkson? Kelly Clarkson. She's been on TV. Who's that? I don't know. She's um, she's popular on TV. Or, and some people say Taylor Swift. All right, Bobby, you keep backing losers. You got that uh, Akeem Jeffries up there in Binghamton. I mean, this guy is also a moron. And the other guy so, Wait a second. He's, no, he's not because, A, A, he was accepted to Binghamton University, and they only accept very smart people. And yeah. he also spent... He was in the same graduating class as Flo from the insurance company. So... You could picture Flo from uh, Progressive Insurance. She runs the TV commercials for Progressive Insurance, oh. Flo. They were in the yeah, same yeah, graduating I know. I know class. Yeah, about. 1992, yep. the two of them well, graduated together. Actress. She's great. She's a good actress. And a comedian. And she, a she's comedian funny. Too, yeah. I guess. She's yeah, very yeah. funny. No, but Akeem Jeffrey is a loser. You always seem to back the losers, you know? I'm not I saying mean, I'm not saying he's a winner, but I am saying he's probably going to be Speaker of the House come January 2025. Oh no 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 no! I don't agree with that. I don't think so. Unless they keep uh, resigning like uh, they're doing now, and and as far as a traitor goes, oh like Kevin McCarthy? McCarthy? McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy. Talk about him. Talk about a sore loser. So he oh, he gets no, kicked yeah, out as speaker of the speaker of the house, and now he's resigning. He's a rhino. He got nothing done, and the other guy too. Now we we're seeing. Uh, uh, geez, I voted for him down here too. The guy that was the senator down here voted to impeach Trump. I can't think of. Oh, his David name. Fetterman. No, no, not Fetterman. Uh, the other guy that was that Fetterman replaced. 
Uh, oh, I, I don't. I, he's right I don't on the know. tip of my tongue. I can't think of it. Oh, Doctor Oz. You know hey, that's Bobby, oh, got, that's who. Doctor Oz. They ought to have no. Doctor Oz be the presidential candidate. Doctor Oz would give um, uh, Kamala Harris a run for her money. If say if the Republican uh, nominee was Doctor Oz and the Democratic nominee was Kamala Harris, it it, it could be very close. It could go either way. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, I'll tell you the truth. I don't know why they put Dr. Oz up. I mean, uh, you well, know. Especially was, since he was, was from New Jersey. Why would you put a guy from New Jersey to run for the U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania? That was my concern. Don't, don't ask me. I think he has family or something there. But he, he, he seems like a good guy, but it's not. You know, he's got dual citizenship, too. First of all, I look questionable about that, you know. Uh, hey, you know what? You still got those two dogs? Yeah. They still alive? Yes. Oh, good, good. How old are they? They're getting up there. I don't, I don't know exactly because they're rescue dogs, so we've never been able to very, very careful or very precisely yeah. determine how old they are, but I, I suspect both of them are, are now at least... 10 years old or getting close. Yeah, I know, they're but old. boy, I'll tell you, isn't it great when you come home and they're yeah. there? And I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, these people talk about, oh, there's all these pets and that. I mean, I got a couple of cats here, and it's a, mine is really a rescue cat. He showed up during the snowstorm. <laughs> He's 15 years old. And you now. brought, you brought, and what's his name? What? What's his name? Fritz? Ch Chester. Oh, okay. Next time yeah. I get a cat. I've had yeah. cats in the past, but I don't have any cats now. Next time I get a cat, I'm going to name him Bill. Bill? Bill the cat. Why? I don't know. It just has a nice ring to it, a certain je ne sais quoi. I want a cat. Oh. I want a cat, and I'm going to call him Bill the cat, and maybe oh. maybe I'll get a penguin. Maybe I'll call him yeah. Opus. <laughs> a penguin? A penguin, did you say? A penguin for a pet. And I, I could walk my... Penguin and my cat, Opus the penguin and Bill the cat. I could walk them simultaneously uh, around yeah, that, around the that's neighborhood. Yeah, good. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you the truth though. The dogs are. I I prefer dogs. I like dogs. Yeah, but, I'm I'm know, generally a dog guy. But I you yeah, know some my people. Wife, my wife and daughter, you know, she rescues them from down in the city. The other one we had was under the Brooklyn Queens Expressway. She rescued them, but when they come in. <clears throat> Once you get to know them, I mean, right now, I, I would give my life for these uh, these animals. Here, oh, yeah. I, you know? I, I love, got to tell you, I have a soft spot for all animals. Hey, I got to run. Okay. Uh, all right, listen, I'll see you. Maybe I'll call you next week. I'll yeah, see would goes. you? Right. I wanted to end this on a happy note, but it's going to, the next time, it's going to be a, a tough call with uh, Biden, and we'll, we'll see how that works out. Okay? That's Okay. No, right. It's no skin off right. my microphone. What? what? It's no skin off my microphone. If you want to bash Biden on this station, go for it. That's what this station does about 20 or eight, at least 18 hours a day is nonstop Biden bashing. So why, why would this program be any different? Right. If you rescue a penguin, rescue one for me, too. Okay. Have a great weekend. Take care. You, too. Bye-bye. 11.46 at WNBF. Hey. You express your opinion. It's not, not going to adversely affect my morning. Vinny from Binghamton, are you going to bother me too? No, no, Bob. I am. <laughs> By the I'm way, just, Tom I'm doesn't just... bother me. I, I love 
And I mean it. I look forward to Tom's calls. Yeah, I, he has um, a good attitude, and he told me before we went on the air. One of the reasons he has that attitude is he originally is from New York City, and even though now he lives in Susquehanna, and that shows through in in terms of his personality and his willingness to have a, a spirited discussion. He doesn't. He's not. How can I put it? He's not upset if the host asks a question or might disagree with him. In fact, I think he likes it. Yeah, no, that's true. Compared to a, lot, uh, a few others, you're you're absolutely right, absolutely right. But you know, I think that's um, I think the only thing, if if anything, that it's 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 um, how our world has changed is um, his age. He's been, he's been through a lot. He's seen a lot. And he has. And, I I believe he was uh, a cop in New York City. So uh, I I believe we've we've talked a lot off the air we talk a lot on the air but yeah so he's seen a lot both you know before he came up to northeastern pennsylvania so he has a pretty pretty clear understanding of how the world works and also how it doesn't work and that's why i always question this this love of of trump um and doesn't talk about trump talks about joe biden don't talk about what the good guy your guy it does well or bad talk about the other guy and it's so obvious and transparent i mean one of the things we don't talk about donald trump is this in civil court he was guilty of rape he's a rapist this is the same guy that when he was debating hillary clinton he bought all those women to one of their debates that accused hillary clinton's husband bill clinton of sexual harassment. And he called all those women brave women. But yet, <laughs> Eugene Carroll comes forward. She says, I still have the dress. This man raped me in the second floor of Bergdorf Goodman's. And we don't even talk about it. This is a rapist, guys, in civil court. Wasn't, wasn't he ordered to pay her? Yes. Well, did, did, he, pay, did he pay her? That part I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he ever got around to paying her. He was, I think he was ordered by the court to pay money as a result of the outcome. I, I don't know. It just, maybe, maybe he paid her. I don't know. I don't, I don't. Bob, there was a time when the Republican Party would have drove this guy at her just for that. This is the guy who, for his first wife, he got married, had children, cheated on her, divorced. His second wife, he married her, had a child, cheated on her, had a divorce. Third wife, same thing. Married her, cheated on her, had to pay off two adult actresses, uh, an adult actress. Then he said, oh, I didn't do that. Oh, I've never met her. This guy would have, a Republican Party, you guys want to say what you want to say about those rhinos. But let me tell you, they got a good name for you, too. They would have driven this guy out because of the principles that they used to stand on. But now they've just thrown it all out. Thrown it all out. Made it. Excuses, they pull it out of their butt for this guy. All right, just to clarify, according to the Internet, this is NBCNews.com, a federal court jury found Trump sexually abused Carol, but it rejected her claim that he raped her. It awarded Carol $5 million for sexual abuse and defamation for comments he made the previous year. So well, I want to know, has he paid the $5 million? I don't know. Well... I mean, how, how do you disregard a court ruling? If, if you or I 
got into a jam and a federal court jury ordered us to pay someone $5 million, we'd have to pay. I think it goes right back to what we you've been saying. These, 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 these media places are cutting down these journalists and, and no one has time to go investigate it. They, we, we want to keep this going. And that's part of why it's so bad now. All right. Well, I'm just saying maybe next time Sean Hannity is talking with him, he should ask about that. There's a question that doesn't seem to get asked by Hannity. It's 1151. I'm Bob Joseph at WNBF. WNBF, well, there you go. That was the number four song exactly 50 years ago, according to WNE, the Big E record survey. Doesn't seem like it was that long ago. Jesse and Owego, you're on the air. Man, oh man, your bumper music is outstanding today, Bob. I love it. Yeah, maybe maybe Monday we'll play we'll play more of the songs, the top songs from 50 years ago, because some of those songs we haven't heard in a while, and they're, they're actually quite interesting. Yeah. Hey, you know what? You can say the Christmas music because uh, Bill Flynn can do that over the weekend, and I know he will. He started early, so I I'm like, Bill, what are you doing? Slow down. It's not even Thanksgiving yet. <laughs> Yeah, when it comes when it comes to that music, I leave it to everybody else because everybody else plays it. So this is the there's one place you can go for three hours a day during December, and just in case you get tired of it elsewhere, then you can hear this show, and then other shows will come on, and that's all they play. So I agree. Hey, by the way, yesterday you really threw me a curveball. You said something about a rumor about. Taylor Swift and Mick Jagger becoming, uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly how you phrase it, but I'm like. Well, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean to say they were romantically involved. Maybe they're professionally involved. Maybe they're going to do a, a holiday uh, song. Now, I would play that. Well, if, if Mick and Taylor do a holiday song, I'll play it. Okay. Now, I can understand professionally speaking because I'm like. This guy's 80 years old. He's going to need 55-gallon drums with those blue pills, if you know what I mean. Oh, my goodness. Well, the other thing is, and by the way, thanks, Jesse. Hope you have a great weekend. I don't think that uh, Mick Jagger would have any interest in her, to be honest with you, but just my... Just my opinion. That's our program for this week. I hope you enjoy your weekend. I'm Bob Joseph. I'll be back Monday here on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station.